Hey everyone, I'm Priscilla and it's great to be with you today. Now, quick question, you can type this into the chat. What series on Netflix have you been binging on recently? Is it crash landing on you for all the Korean drama fans out there? I see it going up the trend list on Netflix or Modern Family or Brooklyn Nine-Nine or Tinder Swindler. Well, if you're a documentary fan, then we can be binge buddies. During lockdown, I watched this documentary twice and also cried twice. It's called Daughters of Destiny. It follows the seven-year journey of five girls from India's most impoverished families. Born into the lowest of the Indian caste system, they are called the untouchables, tainted from birth, deemed impure, and live as outcasts in society. Earning less than two US dollars a day are through jobs like cleaning latrines or cleaning dead animals on the streets or working in quarries. This layer of society lives hand to mouth and the same exact predicament is destined for their children and their children's children. But there in the outskirts of Bangalore is a school called Shanti Bhavan, a school that exists for the untouchables. What do they do? Every year, 24 different families from the rural villages have the opportunity to send just one child for a fully funded education and welfare at Shanti Bhavan from primary school all the way till college. Their mission is to elevate poverty by raising leaders who will then go on to change the course of history in their lineage by making a contribution to society. And by the end of the documentary, it shows some of these girls in the young adult stage of their lives living far differently than where they would have been without being in Shanti Bhavan. One is now a lawyer and uh, managed to move her family out of a dire quarry living situation into a proper home. One went on to be a nurse and another pursuing her PhD in clinical psychology in New York. And when I watched this, I was so moved and I can't help but wonder what made it possible for these girls to move from poverty to possibility, to break out of what would have naturally been passed on to them from generation to generation. Well, I think the answer is found in one man's obedience, Dr. George Abraham. He is the founder of Shanti Bhavan, formerly a highly successful entrepreneur in the US. And at the age of 50, he sold his business to a Fortune 500 company and returned to India with a burning passion to start Shanti Bhavan. And you may wonder, what caused this radical move? Well, for a very long time, Dr. George believed that there was a mission on his life to be far more invested in the next generation, in the destiny of the next generation, than his own dreams. Well, we need the Dr. George Abrahams of our time today. Just last Sunday, we had the Big Self, whether you watch online or you are here on site, where we had the opportunity to explore the different teams that perhaps God is calling you to serve in. And maybe some of us here are still asking, hey, which team can I be part of? Or where can I serve? Or generally in life, you're asking, what is God calling me to? But I want to challenge you with this question today as you think about what God is calling you to. 
What if your greatest investment in the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise? The title of my talk today is Your Greatest Investment. And our reading is from 1 King 19, verses 9 to 21. Now, this is a story about Elijah and Elisha. At this point, the prophet Elijah was very discouraged and depressed. He had just finished a miraculous mountaintop experience on Mount Carmel, but found himself running for his life into the wilderness when the queen threatened to kill him. And what we're about to read is Elijah hiding in a cave and how God met him in that place of despair. Verse 9. There he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. So guys, hoodies were already back in back then. And went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him again, What are you doing here, Elijah? Don't you guys think it's quite funny that sometimes God asks us questions that he already knows the answers to? Elijah would have been like this meme. Here, God is not asking Elijah in the condemning way. In gentleness, He pulls us close and has a conversation with us. Verse 14, And Elijah replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And in gentleness, the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When, and when you get there, anoint Hazael, king of Aram, and also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Meholah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12 pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. And Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I'll come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? 
So Elisha left him and went back and he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. And he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out and followed Elijah and became his servant. Now Elijah's story resembles the narrative of the church at large and many of our lives in the last two years. Very quickly from normality, we entered into a wilderness of ongoing uncertainty. And like Elijah, many of us, and myself included at one point, were left feeling like I'm tired and I don't know if I can still go on. And like what Mal spoke about a couple of weeks ago, perhaps our faith seems fractured and in need of some restoration. But it is in this very place of despair that God gave Elijah some instructions. He said, go back to where you came from because you ran away and anoint two new kings. But more importantly, he gave Elijah a new assignment, which is to anoint Elisha as his successor. What does that mean? It meant that Elijah is no longer just a prophet to Israel, but from then on, he will play a significant part in preparing the way for Jesus to be revealed on earth. In Luke 1.17, it describes John the Baptist who came generations later to prepare the way for Jesus. And he says, And he, John the Baptist, will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Well, I think one of the things that God wants to do is to send us out as a church from a place of wilderness with a new assignment that goes far beyond ourselves. It is a call to invest in the next generation who will then go on to make an impact in their generation and beyond. At HTBB, our vision is the evangelization of the nations, revitalization of the church, and transformation of society. This incredible vision that we are grafted into goes beyond this time that we're living in. Everything that we're doing as a church today are seeds of faith sown to reap a harvest in the next generation. Nonetheless, this new assignment cannot be fulfilled with just, say, the youth team or the campus team or CHTVB and, of course, Bintang Bear. It is going to take all of us as a family and everyone in the family has something to give. So the question is, how do we do it? How do we invest in the next generation? And I want to suggest three ways. Reach, relationship, and release. Number one, reach. Now, the very first thing that Elijah did after the encounter with God and some time in prayer was to go and find Elisha. So reaching the next generation actually begins from a place of private prayer. And in those times, I want to encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit, who is he highlighting to you to invest in? And a quick tip, that person, 
that the Holy Spirit is in, in, in highlighting to you or that group of people may not be obvious to the natural eye. He or she may not be a natural leader or currently thriving in exercising their gifts. In fact, when Elijah found Elisha, he was working on the field handling oxen. Elisha was surely not in St. Paul's Theological College scoring A++ in his assignments. It may very well be that a lot of the gifts that God has placed in that young person's life has yet to be developed. We may not know the enormity of the kingdom purpose God has placed in that person's life, but God does. So the key to reaching them is found in listening to the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit, like how God spoke to Elijah at the cave. And that was kind of my story. I was quite, I would say very shy and awkward as a kid. And honestly, I wouldn't pick me for anything. But at about 13, there was a young teacher from another school. So she wasn't even my teacher. She headed up the inter-school Christian fellowship in the district at that time. And she met me through one of my classmates. For whatever reason, she saw something in me that I didn't. And what happened is throughout high school, she nurtured me by giving me opportunities to serve together. And she taught me how to pray by watching her life and how to love others well because she did it so well. And essentially how to live a life completely given to God. I tell you, it would have been so easy to miss me, but she saw potential. And those formative years quite literally changed the trajectory of my life. And I remember at 14, uh, we were part of the team that organized a girls' conference called Be That Girl. And I'm reminded that the next generation needs someone to call out the goal in them. You can be that girl. You can be that guy. You can be everything God has created you to be. So we reach the next generation by opening up our spiritual eyes to see the potential God has placed in them. And the second is relationship. When Elijah found Elisha, he threw his cloak around him. And that cloak is a garment that symbolized Elijah's prophetic authority. And by putting it on Elisha, he's basically saying, hey, Come, join me. I'm inviting you into my life. And Elisha then went on to serve under Elijah for about 12 to 13 years. Now, what can we learn from this? Investing in the next generation requires that we open up the doors of our lives to them, letting them get close to us to learn and observe how we live and the values we live by that form our decision-making. In our day of large lives, we need intimate connections. We have an incredible team of HDBB youth coaches and a huge shout out to you if you're watching this. They model to us relational connections with the next generation. Every Sunday, they give their time to invest in 11 to 17-year-olds by being there and having conversations to essentially give these teenagers what they need, which is time and space to process their doubts, their passions, their insecurities and challenges. 
and what Josh and I have also learned from being part of HTBB campus with a bunch of incredible Gen Zs is that they don't need me to be like them. In fact, the moment I try, I get a look and it's cringy. Josh often does sheesh when he's with them and even I cringe when I see that. We don't need to be cool to relate. What they need from us is to be warm and genuine. Warm is the new cool. That we would first master the art of listening and perhaps often use three very powerful words that goes, tell me more, tell me more. And as they wrestle with questions, our role is not to tell them what to think, rather teach them how to think. That we will be brave and open up the pages of our own stories that, so that they could learn from our struggles. And that we would teach them to laugh at the future while we're by their side right now in the sorrow. And that we would open up the treasure box of our lives to impart wisdom that we've learned in hard seasons in life and tell them truth in a way they could hear and comprehend. But what I'd like to shine the light on is the indispensable relationship that we are to point them towards is an intimate relationship with Jesus. Now, there was a group of four mountain climbers who were going up a summit. And to secure against falling, they were linked to one another um, through a safety rope. And one person in a group is linked to the anchor point, which is attached to the mountain. As they were going up a stern fern, the anchor point person slipped on the ice-covered mountain sides and pulled the rest with him down because no one else was anchored to the mountain. Now, thankfully, no one died. And the learning from here is that we need to be linked to one another. And we can't possibly go up the summit of life on our own. But ultimately, we are to link the next generation to the anchor of their souls, which is Jesus. Our amazing CHTBB volunteers play a key role in getting our little children linked to Jesus from a young age, teaching them Bible stories and principles for them to carry with them all the way to adulthood. And they do it in a way that the children can relate and understand. There are different groups that the kids can choose from to learn scriptures like Sparkless and Soul Sport, Creative Studio and Cozy Corner. I mean, just hearing the sound of that even makes me want to go to CHDVV. So reach and invite them into relationship with us and more importantly, link them to relationship with Jesus. And the last one is release. In 2 Kings 2, Elijah's life was coming to an end. And right before he left, he said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please, let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. Now here, Elisha wasn't asking for inheritance of land, but a double portion of spiritual inheritance from Elijah. 
And after Elijah was taken to heaven, Elisha tore his own clothes into two as a gesture of sorrow because someone like a father figure has been taken away from him. But after that, he put on Elijah's cloak, which was left behind, symbolizing the beginning of a new life as Elijah's successor. It's recorded that Elisha did receive a double portion and he went on to do twice as many miracles as Elijah. Now, what does that tell us? We are to release the next generation into the things that God has already prepared for them. It's a bit like the analogy of a ship sailing. As someone more mature in the faith, we have spiritual foresight. And we stand at the dock looking out for them as they set sail into their voyage. Practically, it can look like opening the doors of opportunities for them to keep growing in their area of gifting. And we're basically saying, go, innovate, try, fail, succeed, do what we've never done before. And we're here for you. And the dream is that they are released to make double the impact that we will ever make in our lifetime. Releasing also means using the power of our words to bless rather than criticize. And at times, we have a tendency to use language like "Ah, young people nowadays. Instead, we can use the power of our tongue to speak life and strength and God's promises over their lives. A blessing was always special in biblical times because it was always meant to be shared intergenerationally. It's like at Chinese New Year, right? We, we give an ang bao as a blessing from one generation to another. Now, our greatest example of all of investing in the next generation is Jesus. He reached out to 12 teenagers, so they would have been either an HDBB youth or campus, from a wide spectrum of backgrounds. There were fishermen, there was tax collector, and there was even a zealot. Jesus had to deal with their differing personalities. Peter, who was always talking without thinking, James and John riling up in anger, and Judas, who eventually betrayed him. Yet Jesus called them into relationship with him and said, come, follow me, and then pointed them to the Father. And in three and a half years of Jesus' ministry on earth, they did life together. They ate and talked and took very long walks from town to town. And Jesus taught them the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. In Matthew 28 verse 19, He released them into their calling to the words we now know as the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always till the end of age. What happened? Eleven of them went on to literally change the world. I want to leave you today with a few practical ways to begin doing this. Firstly, we pray. Pray for the next generation. And we're going to do that together in a short while. They need our intercession. Pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on their lives. 
Prayer is the most loving and most powerful thing we can do for someone. And then, start with the person around you, your children, your grandchildren, your nieces and your nephew. Oftentimes, the name that God drops into our hearts is someone who's already in our circles. It could be a younger person in your workplace, or if you're a teacher, a student, um, like how I've been impacted, or here in the HDBB community. They are seated in the chairs of our services or seated next to you right now, or in the teams that you're serving in. The next generation doesn't just mean those who are below the age of 23. For each of us, it means someone who has come after us, either younger in age or younger in the faith, and in need of someone like yourself to come alongside them in life. So pray and start with the person around you and then share what you know. I can testify to this that you don't have to be perfect or know everything about Scripture and Bible and life to start investing in the next generation. Give them what's already inside of you. God has put inside of you some things that you can give to them and what you have at hand. And what about the Gen Zs? Maybe you're listening to this and thinking, hey, what about me? I am the now generation that needs investing into. And you're absolutely right. And at HDBB, we want you to know that you are seen and loved and valued for who you are and you play a crucial part in the vision of the church. And also, you don't have to be old to start investing in someone else. Investments are always best started early. You are the best person to reach your own generation with the good news of Jesus. And I'll close this with this. Perhaps the greatest investment we could ever make in the kingdom of God is not something we do, but someone we raise. They say it takes a village to raise a child, and I think that is true for raising disciples in the church. And I want to invite you to take a moment right now to imagine with me what it would be for that young person to know that they are seen and valued and loved for who they are. And imagine how it would shape the trajectory of their lives if they knew how God sees them through the way we see them. And this is an invitation for us all. We may not see the results immediately because investment takes time and some of it we may not even see in our lifetime. But the seeds we sow today have a compounding interest for years to come and an eternal value. So I'll ask us, including myself today, would we as an HDBB family embark on a new assignment to invest in the next generation? Would we open up our hearts to enter into the larger story that God has written for generations to come? Now we're going to pray right now and wherever that you're watching this from, I want to invite you to just open up your hearts and you could even put out your hand this way and just as a gesture of openness to the Lord. And, I, and I'm going to pray, come Holy Spirit, in a moment. And I'd love you to 
just pay attention to the gentle whisper that the Lord wants to speak over you. Come Holy Spirit. Come speak to us. Come fill us and anoint us. And maybe in this moment right now, you know, the Lord is highlighting to you people that He's calling you to invest into, to give your time and what He's deposited inside of you through the past seasons in life. Just go ahead and ask the Lord, speak to me, show me your heart. And I think, you know, there, there, are, there are parents who are listening to this who, you know, you, you've been praying for your children and, and almost when you look at your children, they, they, they feel like, you know, their faith is not where uh, they could be and your heart uh, burns with passion for love for them to want to see them grow in their walk with God. And I think the Lord is saying that He hears your prayers. There's something just so powerful about parents praying for their children and he hears your prayer. And he sees that heartbreak. He hears your prayer. And I think there are um, volunteers. You, you've been giving your life to um, serving either in children's um, teams or the youth or your teachers who've been working with a lot of children and you are, you're feeling, hey, I, I, I'm tired. It, it just takes up so much of me. And just feels like the vision that you first started with, you know, your love for kids or the younger generation, it just feels like you, you don't know if you could do that anymore. And we're just going to pray for you in a short while. Lord, we, we pray for every prayer that the parents have been praying for their children, oh God, that you hear every one of them, that God, you are moving in ways that are unseen. Even right now, it feels like they don't know if their, their prayers are, are heard, but God, you hear and you incline your ear towards them. And we pray, oh God, that you, you remind um, the parents that God, you have called them to this, that God, you will give them the strength, Lord, and you will move in the young people's hearts. And we also pray for the volunteers or people working with children and our youth and, and just feel like they're tired. God, would you come and give fresh vision today and remind them why you've called them to, to it and there's something that they carry in their lives that means so much, that matters to be invested in the next generation. And right now together, we pray for the young generation. You call us to intercession and we pray for them. We pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the young generation that they will know who they are in the light of you. They will know who you've called them, oh God, and be reeled in into truth of your scriptures and who you are and what you're saying over their lives. We pray, come Holy Spirit, take us as a church and give us vision, Lord, to invest in the next generation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.